Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. We have been in Malawi. We're going to talk for a few minutes tonight about what God is doing in the nation of Malawi and in global missions, but then we're going to go into the word of the Lord tonight. Amen. Malawi is an amazing nation in South Central Africa. I'm so glad Brother Carson clarified that we are in Africa, the warm heart of Africa, because if you don't tell people you're in Africa, they think you're in Maui, not Malawi. And they want to come visit you, and there's a long line waiting, then you break their heart and say, no, you're getting on a plane east, not west. And that changes everything. But Malawi has been an amazing nation the last 10 years that we have been there. It has been an amazing blessing uh, to work in that nation. And uh, I've, I've learned something. If you will follow the will of God, he will bring everything into your life that you need. I remember young people at the uh, age of 19, God showing me the fields of Africa. And I remember thinking, working in Kroger's that night, how is a boy from Reynoldsburg, Ohio ever going to get to Africa? I don't have a family name in Pentecost. We don't have the finances just to make that happen. But four short years later, God opened that door to go into West Africa. And you know what? A year later, a young lady got off the plane in Anugu, Nigeria. And two years later, we were married. So I learned something. You follow the will of God. He will bring everything you need into your life. I didn't go to Africa looking for a wife. She didn't go to Africa looking for a husband. We went following the call of God to missions. If we will follow the call of God in the ministry, he will facilitate all of our desires, all of our needs. And guess what? He will place that burden in your children and your family, and God will get the glory for it. We have been incredibly blessed. Malawi is an amazing small nation in Africa. Most of our African nations are expansive like Texas, but Malawi is about the size of the state of West Virginia. But now we have 21 million people in the nation, and that is not a problem. That is a blessing. That has given us an open door for revival. And let me preface my remarks by saying this. The revival that has come to Malawi has been a God revival, not a Gibbs revival. God is the one that is doing the work, and we've been able to step back and let God get the glory for it. We were blessed in 2019 to celebrate 40 years of apostolic ministry in the nation of Malawi. We were blessed to host our general superintendent, Brother Bernard, came and preached the conference. Thousands gathered. The Lord filled several hundred with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But what I told the Malawian church, and I would remind us here tonight at Calvary, is this. I am grateful and appreciative of the 40 years God gave us. But this is no hour for us to sit down and rest on our laurels and to say, oh, let's re reminisce only. But this is an hour to look forward to all that God is going to do. This is the greatest hour to be in the kingdom of God and in the church. And if I look around this building tonight, I will not find an apostle Paul or Peter or any of those men of God, but I will find you. You know why? Because God has chosen us to be the generation to whom the ends of the world have come. I don't feel worthy, but you know what? I'm going to do my part and I'm going to step in and say, God, I am available. God is raising up people in this hour to be a part of the latter house greater than the former we will see the things that brother Turner said God is doing it now I don't believe revival is coming revival is here now 
I don't want my children to hear about the book of Acts and hear the miracles only. I want them to see the miracles of God. I don't want them to hear about blind eyes, but thank God both of them have seen blinded eyes open. I don't want to hear about them hearing about withered limbs unwithering and going to the ground, but they've seen those things. You know why? Because God is doing a sovereign work in this hour, and we are a part of the body of Christ, brothers and sisters linked arm in arm, and God is doing a sovereign work. In just the last three years in our nation, we have seen almost 7,000 people baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus. And we give the Lord all the glory for it. And 13,039 have received the gift of the Holy Ghost in just the last three years. God is doing a work in this hour. We are seeing revival at every level. The church has doubled in just the last 10 years. There are now over 735 United Pentecostal churches in the nation of Malawi. Over 45,000 adults in the church. It's growing every day. God is giving us favor on every side. We have seen revival in our Save Our Children's Crusades. We have seen revival in our uh, evangelism efforts in our refugee camps. We have seen the Lord move mightily in our 700 plus churches. God is doing a great work. We have seen him in all of these facets. But you know what? I love how God likes to slip in and do things a little bit out of the ordinary sometimes and catch us off guard. We did not expect revival, Brother Carson, to break out in our funeral services, but they have. The Lord has stepped into our funerals. And the last three years, our pastors, we've had to talk about it, they have begun sharing the gospel with class intact during our funeral services. Funerals in Malawi are much like they are in the United States. Pastors are there to comfort people facing loss and encourage the family in that time of sorrow. But in the middle of that, you know what? It's a perfect opportunity to remind people that eternity is coming. And our pastors have begun preaching the gospel. One of our presbyters died unexpectedly before we came home. 300 people gathered for his funeral. Right in the middle of the preaching, they stood up and said, we, are, we have heard everything we need. We are ready for baptism now. They shut down the funeral, went down to the river and baptized 110 people in the matchless name of Jesus. And in the last three years, 407 people have been baptized or received the Holy Ghost in funerals in Malawi. You know what? that lets me know God is wanting to remind us in the midst of death and sorrow and in our protocols he wants to step in and remind us he's still on the throne he's still in charge and he wants to bring life into these situations I could go through statistics literally all night but I know you won't remember numbers but you'll remember people you'll remember people that have seen and have had the hand of God rest upon them I'll never forget in 2011 in our very first crusade after landing in Malawi, uh, we began to reach out and the Malawian church, you know, said we, we really won't have a, re a revival with more than 200 people there. And thank God that year 575 came and it was an amazing experience. But I'll never forget a man received the gift of the Holy Ghost that name. His name was Maxwell Lacombe. I'll never forget Maxwell. At the end of the service, you, I, I've got a video of him on my phone. I still kept it to this day because it means that much to me. And he was just magnifying God and God filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And then I heard Maxwell's story and I was endeared to him from that day till now. Maxwell had been bringing his two daughters to the church for 22 years, but never would step foot inside the church. He knew that's where they belonged, but he did not want to belong. 
He was fighting things, wrestling things, as Brother King talked about tonight, not willing to make that complete 100% both feet in mindset, and he refused to come in. But you know what? That day, on that Sunday morning, he came and dropped off his daughters, and he walked into the crusade, and God beautifully filled him with the gift of the Holy Ghost after 22 years. But what's so amazing, let me say this, is Brother Maxwell Lacoma. In Malawi, we are the, always in the top 10 poorest countries in the world. That means the average family's got mom, dad, five kids. They live on 600 US dollars a year. It's extreme poverty. If you make $50 a month, you are doing well. It costs about a dollar to six dollars to travel all over the country. Maxwell, for the last 10 years after that service, you will find him at every ladies' conference. He is at every youth conference. He is at every crusade. He is at every district conference, every general conference. And you know where Maxwell is? He is in the altars praying people through to the gift of the Holy Ghost. I would venture to say he has prayed hundreds through to the gift of the Holy Ghost. You know why he understands? For all of these years, I didn't have it, but now... I've got it and I'm going to give back. I'm going to reach souls because it's all about reaching souls for the kingdom of God. We learned quickly in Malawi that God would speak to us and God would give us divine direction as we stepped into that country. And let me, I'll share this story and we'll move into the word of the Lord. But it's, it's interesting. Before we went to Malawi, we, my wife was in perfect health and never had a problem. And she uh, got a cold, basically. And that virus attacked her heart muscle, not her body. Instead of getting the sniffles and a cough, her heart ejection fracture rate dropped below 5%. Most people were at 50%. To make a long story short, the doctor called me and said, you need to get your wife to the ER immediately. She literally could die at any minute because of that heart problem. But you know what? This is all in the process of us preparing to go to Malawi. But you know what? The Lord stepped in and healed her completely before. Before we went back to Malawi and her cardiologist said, I've never seen the heart regenerate. It doesn't do that. And we went to Malawi knowing that God was able and we're moving forward in the will of God, pursuing the call of God. And all of a sudden, the Lord allowed the heads to come down to let us know he's still in charge. And I came in from a business meeting and my, my wife was flush and she's sweating and she was pale. And I said, baby, what's going on? She said, I'm not feeling good. And I said, well, no, really what's happening? She said, I don't even want to speak it out into the air. But she said, I feel like the heart issue what I was feeling a year ago has come back again. And I said, well, let's pray about it. You know what? We stopped, held hands in the laundry room. We prayed and guess what? The Lord spoke to me and said immediately, take her to Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. And you know what my response was? I am not taking her to Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. I know in Indiana, you're not stubborn like missionaries are. I spent three and a half years in pre-med to be a sports surgeon. I knew Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. I'd been there 50 times already with other people, and I knew that's the last place you want to go. That's where you go to die, not to get help. No offense if they're watching. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Do better, guys. Do better. But my response was, God, I'm not taking her there. And you know what? God spoke to me again and said, take her quickly. Do not linger and I said, but God, I'm not taking her to Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. So you know what? I said, Penny, let's go to Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. She said, I'm not going to Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. And now we're a team. God, see me and her together. We're talking to you, letting you know we're not going there. This isn't a good plan. 
And of course, the Lord speaks again and says, I said, take her quickly. Don't linger. So now I'm a little worried thinking maybe it's worse than I am suspecting. And she looks at me and said, did God tell you to take me? And I said, yes. She said, let's get in the car. Let's go. We drive across town. We walk in. It's the evening time now. And we walk into the building. And you know what? I come into the lobby and I'm frantic. The typical orange personality husband. I walk in and I see, I'm looking around. There's nobody there. And I'm and literally in my mind, Brother Carson, I say out loud, God, hurry, don't linger for what? <laughs> and then I go over the counter and I look and there's a lady laying in a chair sleeping. And again, my big mouth was talking in my brain. Hurry, don't linger for what? So I don't wake her up. And I stir the lady, ma'am, ma'am, my wife is not feeling well. Do you have a, a cardiologist apartment? And she stirs herself out of her slumber. And she says, we don't do that here anymore. And I said, God, hurry, don't linger, go for what, God? And I said, is there anybody that can help her? She said, well, we've got a new wing of the hospital, but it takes two weeks to get in. I said, we don't have two weeks. So, you know, I just grabbed her under the arm and we shuffled down the hallway and she's yelling at us in Chichewa and their language in Malawi. And I'm just still going down the hallway. I turn the corner. There's a new little wing of the hospital. We walk in, open the door. The door closes behind me and we are standing in darkness. There is nobody there. All lights are off. And again, I say, God, hurry, don't linger for what, God, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, the door in that room opens and light cracks and shines into the darkness. And a tall, slender lady walks by the door slowly and does one of these like, oh, no. And she eases out very timid and, and fearful looking. And I just begin to go on my spiel. My wife's ejection fracture rate is below 5%. She had this problem a year ago. And I'm just telling this 100 mile an hour. And then I start thinking, why am I even telling this lady this? And she stops and says, sir, we're going to take care of your wife. But she said, I need to know how you got in here. She said, obviously, you could see the room is dark and everything is closed up for the day. I locked the door. And she said, but we're going to take care of everything. I said, please help us and give us some direction. You know what? She said, I, I, I just wanted to let you know. She goes, I'm going to help you. And I said, well, who are you to help us? And she said, well, I'm a cardiologist from the Mayo Clinic. And she said, I flew into Malawi today. And I forgot my paperwork in the office from earlier in the afternoon. And I came quickly to get my paperwork and to go back home. And she said, but I can help you. And then she took my wife into the other room and went through all of the tests. And she said, I don't know what's going on, but everything with her heart is perfect order. Everything is working well. And you know what? I learned something that day quickly. Out of 21 million people, she is the only cardiologist in our entire nation. And she just happened to show up on that day and just happened to forget her paperwork in the office no we're serving a God that said go quickly do not linger I know God could have healed her at the house but God wanted to let me know I will speak to you I will give you a word I will let you know I will put the things that seem impossible in perfect order and you will know that I am in charge tonight we are serving a God that can orchestrate our lives perfectly he knows what we are facing. I'll never forget district conference in Salima up near the lake, Malawi. Man gives his testimony on Sunday morning, 
God filled him with the Holy Ghost. He was baptized several days earlier. He stands up. He's in his early 50s. He was from another denomination. He stands up and begins to let everybody know. He said, I just want to thank everybody for all they've done for me. And he said, especially how God would get hold of me and God reached me. And he begins to share his story. And he tells us, he said, you know what? I was at my home, he goes, and I heard a radio advertisement letting me know there would be a crusade going on in the Salima district. And he said it named the two names, Brother Mbewe and Brother Chapongo. And those are two men in our organization. One's the youth president, one is a Sunday school director. And he said, I heard those names and they said that those men will pray for you and you will receive your healing at this conference. He said, I have been going to my church for years and I've never received my healing. He said, but when I heard that something gripped my heart, he said, I showed up where it said to go. And of course, he said, there was these two men there, Brother Mbewe, Brother Chapongo. These men prayed for me. He said, healing came into my body instantly. He said, something happened from another world. He said, they gave me a Bible study and baptized me. And today I received the Holy Ghost. And he said, I begin to think about how my life has changed so drastically in the last four days it all came from the radio advertisement and he said all of a sudden I remember he said my radio doesn't work and he said I went back home last night and I began to look at my radio and I plugged it in and it would not power on I put batteries on it, it would not power on I even took it to a friend of mine to work on it and he still cannot get it to come on and guess what we never made an advertisement for that crusade we never even put out an advert on the radio and brother and Baywin, brother Chapongo I sent them at the last second by minibus to go organize the service. They weren't even supposed to be there, but two other guys backed out. Guess what? That man understood something. He said, if there's a God in heaven that would give me a radio advertisement on a radio that doesn't work from an organization that didn't send it out, he said, it taught me something. God loves me so much that he will do anything to reach one soul. And the place blew apart. Tonight, let me remind us, God will do anything to reach one soul. He is doing a work in this hour. If you have your Bibles, let's go into the word of the Lord tonight. What a tremendous word we heard this morning. Amen. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3, familiar passages of Scripture. Now faith is, we could stop right there, really. <laughs> now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report, and through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. In these verses, we begin to find the writer of Hebrews. And as it was mentioned this morning, we don't have a full understanding of who that was. But by the nomenclature and the wording and some of the structure of this, we many people believe it was the Apostle Paul. But either way, we have an infallible word from God that lets us know that now faith is. That lets us know something powerful. There are circumstances and scenarios that we will all face in our life. Some of us have regret of the past. Some of us have uh, fear and anxiety of our tomorrow. But God has given us something for our now moments. Because when you are in a battle or you are in a trial or you are in a situation, you are going to need something right now that is going to step in. And God has given us that amazing gift called faith that he has placed inside of all of us. And with the help of the Lord, I want to preach from this subject tonight for a little while, the insanity of faith, the insanity of faith. If you would pray with me one more time, Lord, I thank you tonight 
for the great leadership of this church, the great men and women of God that are here, Lord. I thank you, Lord, for every man, woman, boy, and girl, every visitor that is gathered together tonight in this house, God. I pray, Lord, give me an anointing to preach, God, and give your people an ear to hear, God, and bind us together tonight in the spirit of unity that the will of God may be accomplished, Lord, for you know what we have need of, God. You know where we are, God, and you are a now, God, that is able to step in and to do the impossible in our lives and if you are believing for God to do something tonight, now in your situation, let's clap our hands one more time unto the Lord and give him praise in this place tonight. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. Now faith is. Faith was not designed for our futures and faith was not designed to necessarily handle our past but faith is a now substance. When we begin to look in the scriptures and we begin to find these two familiar ladies, Mary and Martha, it's their brother Lazarus who has become sick and we know the story they have sent for word to Jesus that they need him to come. Jesus has not been a stranger in the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, but he has befriended them and they have befriended him and they have been together many, many times. And they send word knowing that he is able if he gets there to do a work. And we know the story and I won't linger tonight, but it is the Lord allows things to remain and he just stays behind until the situation becomes dire and ultimately Lazarus dies. And now it's the Lord Jesus Christ showing up with his disciples not to comfort them and to help pray for Lazarus but rather to be there for his funeral and everyone is in a state of confusion and they don't really understand what's going on and it's Martha that comes running out to Jesus and she begins to talk to him and she says Lord if you would have been here my brother would still be alive she had faith for yesterday and then the Lord says your brother shall live again and then she says but Lord I know my brother will live again someday in the resurrection she had faith for her tomorrow and Jesus stops her right there and says Martha I am the resurrection and the life though he be dead he shall live again I'm letting you know Mary and Martha that I am a God that is ready to do the work now I'm ready to step in and to do everything you have need of all you've got to do is release your faith and believe me and I can do the work. We are living in a generation that is filled daily with unprecedented uncertainty. It's a divine delay. That is what I've called it. God has stepped in and given us space. And I don't believe it was time to paint the walls and to re-roof the house and to redecorate. I believe it was time God gave us for introspection and to prepare ourselves for what is coming upon this earth and for us to be ready as the church to be that light and that city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Amen. I believe this divine delay and the scenarios that we're facing daily, they have come to test and to prove the church because we have professed for many years the things that we say we have, but this time that we are living in, and it's unprecedented times. I tell my children, if we were living in Bible days, this would surely be a book of the Bible. But the reality is, I believe God is coming very soon, and he is preparing us to see if we really have possessed everything we have professed in our lifetime. And when you begin to look and 
analogize the things we are facing in 2021. To me, I look back at the children of Israel and they are in bondage and they are in slavery in Egypt and Moses comes on the scene to lead them out into their promised land and it's not long that they're out on the journey. In the wilderness, everything was different because they were used to being slaves. They were used to having protocols. They were used to having a routine every day, three meals a day. Yes, it was slavery, but we knew where to work. We knew where we would go to bed at night. Everything was already set for us, but now they're being led out into a wilderness and now they're having to live by faith and it's not long that the murmuring and the groanings and the complainings come and the reality is I've heard that as we've traveled across the country, people groaning and murmuring and saying, oh, I just want to go back, but the reality is I don't want to go back. I want to go forward into everything that God has for us and I do not want to be like the children of Israel and say, just give me the garlic and the leeks and the fish of Egypt, but Lord, I'm ready for my promised land. How can we go into this end time without being able to be a people that eat, sleep, and speak faith? Like Caleb and Joshua, we are all well able to possess the land, they said. Caleb's proclamation was simply a declaration of faith, letting us know that if God said it, God would do it and God would perform it. And in this hour, we've got to be that kind of people that just click our heels together and square our shoulders and say, God, you are going to do it. You are going to make the way where it seems to be no way. And God is going to step in. God has equipped every man, woman, boy, and girl in this place with a measure of faith, the Bible says. But the good news is this, that measure of faith isn't just for us, it's for people outside of this building. The man out there putting gas in his car right now that may say, I don't think there is a God. Guess what? Inside of that same man lies that same measure of faith that God has placed in all of us waiting for the day when he says, I've tried everything, but now let me try God. And all of a sudden that measure of faith begins to rise up within that clay vessel and give him strength he didn't know he had and brings him to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God and whatsoever is not a faith it is sin in this hour God has endowed us with a supernatural blessing called faith and it's time to let that rise higher than it's ever risen before faith has tenacity faith has teeth ladies and gentlemen in Malawi we've got a uh, a rather large dog named Titan he's a South African borble they were raised to protect the diamond mines by De Beers Titan's 185 pounds. His head is about this big. He can jump a five-foot fence. Borbles are out of the Mastiff breed, but they're muscular. He's got a 550-pound per square inch bite pressure. My poor sister came to Malawi, spent $30 on a knuckle bone that was infused with bacon and everything from the States. She said, Titan will love this. She said, it's going to last for weeks. 25 minutes later, it was gone. <laughs> She was so devastated. I took this thing halfway around the world for weeks and now it's only gone in 25 minutes. But I learned something with Titan. When he gets hold of something, he won't let go. When you put it in there, that bite comes down and that stubbornness in those eyes show up. And I promise you, you will not get it out. The only thing that will let him release is when he sees the box from KFC chicken coming out of the car. <laughs> only thing in Malawi we have from America. But that dog, I promise you, when he sees the red box, he comes to attention 
and he is well-mannered and he is just waiting to swallow everything that comes out of the box, paper included. But you know what? We've got to get that hold right now. We've got to get hold of that faith that says, God, I refuse to let go. I refuse to let my circumstances stop me from what you want to do. I've got to have a faith that says, Lord, the present realities are not going to dictate what you have already promised to me. I am going to stand on your word and I am going to trust you and I am going to know that you are going to come through. And if you believe that tonight, let's clap our hands tonight as a declaration of faith that God is going to do the work. Faith has got to arise in our lives. We've got to be able to speak to that mountain. Brother Stone King said it years ago, if you speak to your mountain and it doesn't move, he said, then climb it. You know what? We've got to have that mind that says, I refuse to back up. I refuse to give in. I, I'm just going to keep on pressing God and trusting you with everything that is within me. Faith was designed to break in and break out and break through. There is no scenario, no sickness, no diagnosis, no problem, no marital situation, no lost boy, no lost girl that faith cannot break through and get hold of if we will allow our faith to arise and move to the level that God desires. I'll never forget several years ago, we came home from Malawi. I was at our home church with Brother Keller and I was standing right over there down in the, pool, in the altar area and I remember the Lord spoke to me something I'll never forget. He said, if my people's faith would ever get to the place that I desire it to be, he said, and that day you can ask what you will. And my response will always be, I will, I will, I will. I believe that in this hour, Brother Turner, if we're going to see those miracles and see the things that God wants to do, we've got to allow our faith to believe in things that are not as though they were. There's got to become a grit that gets down inside of us that says no matter what we see, no matter what we face we are going to speak to the mountain and God will get involved let me share five steps of faith tonight with you these didn't come out of a book they came out of this book amen I remember going through a severe trial several years ago in Malawi I'll never forget I'm a transparent person I don't mind that because God is faithful I remember sitting on the edge of my bed in Blantyre looking down on the floor and, I, and the Lord showed me a tube of toothpaste. And, and if you've ever seen it, it looks like somebody had taken a ruler and started at one end and went all the way to the threads. And it's laying on the floor. There was nothing left. And I looked at that and I said, Lord, that's how I feel. He said, that is you. And he said, but I'm not done yet. And all of a sudden, I seen a steamroller come over it literally. And he said, I've got to get you out of you. And so that was my prayer for the last two years from that time forward. God, get me out of me. Because God is wanting to do something in us. And sometimes it's the things that are down in us that are in those reservoirs that are hidden that we say, God, uh, they really don't matter. But, and you know what? God says they really do matter. We've got to make sure if we're going to let faith flow and become effervescent and move in our lives day in and day out. Many times our faith is challenged by pre-existing conditions that are in us. I'll never forget an art class my ninth grade year in high school. My sister was the artist. She's a graphics artist to this day, a professor with that. And she got the skill set in that. I didn't. But I remember making our clay projects. And I'll never forget. And, and, and just let me be open tonight. This isn't in my notes. I'm just following the leading of the Holy Ghost. God knows where we are. Amen. Amen. And you know what? I, I, the teacher said, take out all the clay out of the vessels. 
these large big pots that were there. And she said, now for the next 47 minutes, you're going to take that clay and you're going to slam it on the ground as hard as you can. And guess what? All of a sudden art class became fun. (laughs) And of course, all of these guys, it was a competition who could slam it the hardest. And 47 minutes later, we're just soaking wet and God bless the teachers that had us all the rest of the day. But we learned something that day. That was the project, to slam the clay as hard as we could. Over the next two weeks, we made our projects, and we began to prepare to put the glaze on them. And when we seen the glaze, it was translucent and dull, and, and we were very disappointed. And she said, no, no, wait. Once we put it into the kiln, it will beautify it. And she showed us examples, and everybody was happy. And my pathetic little skateboard I had made was all glazed and ready to go. And then she made a statement I will never forget. She said the most important facet of the entire two weeks of this project is the day one where you took out the clay and you slammed it on the ground over and over again. She said that is called wedging. And she said even though we bought the most expensive clay, inside of all of that clay, there are microscopic air bubbles that are trapped. And if you do not get them out, no matter how beautiful of a vessel you form, when it goes into the fire, into the kiln, the heat will find those air bubbles and they will explode and your project will be destroyed. There are things, it's the small foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things. There are things inside of all of us that have come from things that happen in our lives and if we do not get them dealt with, we will not be able to go through the door of our destiny. I've said it for years and I believe it and I stand on this strong. It's not what you take with you that opens the door to your destiny. It's what you're willing to leave behind and God understands there are things inside of all of us that are hindering us from being exactly what he wants us to be if I can mention a name Uncle Bobby Christmas 95 a scenario situation and it brings pain to you the old saying is this if you can feel it he hasn't healed it there are things inside of all of us that lay dormant It's not the things that people do to us. It's the things people say. And if faith is going to arise and faith is going to move and faith is going to go forward in our lives, we have got to make sure God get me out of me. Heal those things. Men, those things. God, you've given us a divine delay so we can begin to look inside to make sure, God, those things are healed. Because to me, it's one of the greatest scriptures in the Bible where Jesus said, the prince of this world has come and found nothing in me. In other words, he was saying there are no inroads into me because all of us understand that things can lay dormant in our lives for decades and we think it's healed we think it's good one of the young men we were counseling with uh, several years ago he went to a Christian counselor and the lady made this statement it was powerful she said that most people try to put it under the rug when it should be under the blood And we're no different as apostolics. We talk in tongues, we pray, we shout, we dance, and we think it's all under the rug. But the reality is we've got to say, God, some of those things, we've got to dig them up again and face them and say, God, I'm needing you to step in and to bring a healing inside of me so I can be what you want me to be. It's true when you look in your life, most spiritual inconsistency comes back to that moment 
when we refuse to acknowledge those things. If, As I said, if you can hear a name and you can hear a date or you can remember an event that happened in school, it doesn't matter how long ago it was, and it feels like you've been punched in the gut and you just say, I wish I wouldn't have heard that today. That's exactly what we're talking about because the enemy of our soul will allow things to lay hidden in us and stay there for a long time until the day we step out into our faith and say, God, I am going to move forward and I am going to believe and I am going to see and all of a sudden the enemy will stir up all of those things and shut it all down. First step of faith tonight, we've got to be people of faith. Number one, faith is not silent. Faith has a voice and faith refuses to be silent. It's Bartimaeus that we see in the, in the city of Jericho. We understand the king of glory is walking through the streets of Jericho and Bartimaeus understands this is my opportunity and he understands that my faith cannot remain silent but I've got to cry out to a holy God and when he begins to cry out we know the story well that the people around him begin to quiet him and say Bartimaeus, now is not the time, but be quiet. We don't need you to say that you're going to embarrass us, but Bartimaeus all the more refused to be quiet, but he kept shouting and crying out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He understood this is my opportunity, and I refuse to let it pass. Imagine being Christ. God manifested in the flesh, walking through that city. He knew everything about everyone. Imagine he walked by them and knew that one's a liar, that one's an effeminate, that one will die at 404 tomorrow. He knew everything about everybody, but he didn't stop to help any of them. He just kept on his march, moving forward. Why? Waiting for someone to cry out and to lift their voice and to say, do not pass me by. This is my opportunity. Too many times in the church, we miss the will of God. We miss the explosion of faith because we plead the fifth. We stay quiet and say, God knows what I need. He does, but he's also waiting for us to cry out. His own disciples were out in the ship and he would have let them drown as he walked right on by until they cried out to him. Faith requires us to not be silent. We've got to lift our voice. Number two, faith is a sound. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's in 1 Kings 18. It's Elijah. He's on Mount Carmel. He has said a 63-word prayer and fire has fallen from heaven. 850 false prophets have been slain. And all of a sudden, the man of God says, in the midst of a three-and-a-half-year drought, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And you know what? Everybody begins to look around and they probably are there for the contest between man of God, Elijah, Jehovah's man, and all of these false prophets from, uh, from uh, this, they're there to watch all of this going on. And guess what? As they're there watching, all of a sudden God steps in, fire falls, all these things happen. But the reality is the man of God says, I have heard the sound of abundance of rain. And all of the people probably start smiling and laughing, saying he's not what he used to be. I think he's missed it this time. He's just not up to par because they're looking around and they're saying it's not rained in three and a half years. And I don't think it's going to rain now. And then the man of God does 
something so peculiar and so strange when he falls to the ground and he buries his head between his knees and now they're looking at him saying, you've really lost it now. I think maybe the son has got to that old prophet and he's not what he used to be and they're probably ridiculing him and laughing at him saying he's hiding, refusing to even show his face. But you know what? Elijah understood something about faith. He understood, I refuse to let a beautiful blue sky stop me and dictate to me what I've already heard from God. I've already heard the sound of abundance of rain and I am going to bury my head and I am going to refuse to let the things I see stop me from what God has already promised me. Tonight, God has given some of us some promises. And if you just look around at everything around you, you are going to be dismayed. You're going to be discouraged. It's going to fight with you. But we've just sometimes got to bury our head and say, God, I've already heard your word. I'm already trusting you. And I'm going to stand on that knowing that you are going to come through. Number three, faith cannot be offended. It's in Luke chapter 11. Jesus begins to tell us that, that we will ask it shall be given. If we seek, we shall find. And if we knock, the door shall be opened. He told us if you ask for it, he said you're going to receive it. But then he said there's times after you ask for it, you have got to seek for it. In other words, if you're asking for something, you need to start going looking for something. If you're asking God for a job, it might be good to go look for the job. If you're asking for a spouse, it might be good to go look for the spouse. And, and we're good at asking. And you know what? God answers those prayers many times. We ask and we receive just as he said. And then there's times we will press further and we will seek and we will find what God has. But then the third step is sometimes where we get in trouble in the kingdom of God. That third step is where we come to a door and the Bible says knock on that door. Ladies and gentlemen, you only knock on closed doors. There are times in our walk of faith with Jesus Christ that he will have us ask for it and we will go looking for it and you will come smack dab right in front of a closed door and if you are not careful we can get offended and say God has shut the door on me and God is refusing me and as Paul said I can be having offense towards God and man in this hour when there's a door closed I am not going to walk away and say it's not my time I guess it's not what God wants but rather I am going to stand there and I am going to knock on that door as Jesus Christ said until the door opens. In this hour, I refuse to back up. In this hour, I refuse to be offended. If it doesn't happen the way I think, if I've asked him and I've sought him and God closes a door, I'm not going to walk away discouraged. I'm not going to walk away broken. I'm not going to walk away saying this must not be the will of God, but rather I am going to knock on that door until the door opens and God will do it. It's that Syrophoenician woman we know so well. Her daughter's vexed with the devil and she comes. And let's just break it down in the 2021 and make it in a modern sense. Imagine coming to a church, a lady like that walks into a church like Calvary next Sunday morning. 
And she comes and she's following behind the ministry team and says, I need to talk to Pastor Carson. I know that if I can get prayer from that man, I'm going to have my daughter healed. And the ministry team just basically kind of shoos her away and says, ma'am, uh, we just don't have time for you. And then they go to Brother Carson and say, you know what? Can you give us permission just to kind of let us ease her out of the door? We don't have time for her today. Can you imagine that happening in our world that we are living in this hour? If you came with that kind of need into the house of God and that happened to you, we would be out the door as fast as humanly possible. Amen? It's quiet because it's kind of true. <laughs> We're in a generation where we wear our feelings on our sleeves more than I've ever seen in my life. And, and this woman understands, I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep pushing. And this woman, she keeps on coming, and she finally gets Jesus' attention. And when she finally gets the attention of the Lord Jesus Christ, he says, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, I am not here for your kind. You're from the wrong tribe, and it's not my time to deal with you. Imagine coming and asking that and being rejected that way. We would walk out of here so angry and so so upset and people would put it everywhere it would be on Facebook and every place else saying this is what they did to me but the reality is that woman refused to stop because she understood my need is greater than my feelings my need is greater than my offenses and I'm not going to let anything stop me from getting to Jesus and she kept on pushing until Jesus looks at her and says ma'am it's not good to give the children's bread to the dogs now you know, you come in here and you come to the man of God and say, I know you're able. And he said, you know what, you're just a dog. We're out of the door. We're never walking in the church again. We are finished with God, finished with religion. We are going to be offended and angry. But that woman understood. She said, oh, that may be true, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And Jesus says, that's exactly what I was waiting for my disciples to hear. That's what I needed you to keep pressing, lady, and to keep knocking on the door, refusing to go away because of your feelings and emotion. I am preaching to people tonight that God has given us that measure of faith but because of offenses or things not working out the way we thought they would and things were not said the way we wish they would have it's easy for us to say God I don't think it's my time but something's got to rise up within us in this hour and say God this is the hour and now faith is and God you can do the impossible it's my prayer before we leave this building tonight, that people's faith goes to a level where when you ask God, his response will be, I will. I long for that day. I long for that day. When Brother Carson said this morning that God woke him up and showed him some things that he just wanted to burst. There's nothing like that when God gives you something like that. And you know what? Your faith will be tested. Amen. When God gives you a promise, it will be tested. Young people, when God gives you a calling, God gives you a promise, it will be tested. Young married couples, when God shows you something, it's going to be tested. It's going to face a trial of faith. But we understand the trial of our faith is more valuable and precious than gold. And we are going to hold on no matter what happens. No matter what happens. Number four, faith is sneaky. Let me clarify this tonight. Faith is sneaky. Caleb was six years old and no other children showed up in the Gibbs household. I remember looking at my great-grandparents, their ordination papers from 1906, Brother and Sister Stump. They started the first apostolic church in the state of Ohio. 
And I remember looking at her middle name, JC. Me and my wife always said that'd be a great name for a daughter, and we held on to that. But we spent a year and a half of our lives, someone hear me tonight, going from doctor to doctor, place to place, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But we pursued that because we wanted another child in our home, and that wasn't happening. But I'll never forget going up on Route 315 in Columbus, Ohio, Olentangy River Road, and walking into that hospital, into the specialist office, and we sat down, and all of his degrees were on the wall. He was the head of the department. And I'll never forget sitting there, and the man began to go through the paperwork, and he began to share with us the facts of our case. And he said, I just want you to know that you're not going to be able to have any more children. And he said, I need you to consider adoption. I need you to consider buying a dog or a cat. And he went through this whole list, and my wife has often said that I am the person that does not hide at all what I'm thinking on my face. <laughs> so the look on my face was, this guy is not getting it. And for 30 more minutes, this poor doctor kept going to the same spiel. You need to consider adoption, get a cat, get a dog. You need to consider these things. And the look on my face was, this guy is not getting it. Because in my mind, I just kept thinking, God, we have believed for this and we're expecting this. And it was a closed door and it was a abrupt and it was a rude. It was a harsh slam door right in our face. And because we were filled with so much expectation going to that meeting, thinking we're going to hear a breakthrough and something's going to happen and we're going to have our little JC and everything's going to be okay. And all of a sudden that door was shut with all of the force it could and it rattled us and while we are sitting there and I am staring at him basically looking off into oblivion all of a sudden I don't know how it happened but I know it was God because all of a sudden something in the midst of all of that despair in the midst of all of that negativity in the midst of a closed door something rose up in me without permission and I stood up in that man's office and I started dancing in a circle in the middle of his office and Brother Carson, while I'm dancing, you know me, you know I'm crazy. While I'm dancing in a circle, I'm literally thinking to myself, Christopher Gibbs, what are you doing? This is the head of the department. He will have you in an orange jumpsuit in a round rubber room in 10 minutes. And then I started thinking, my God, Penny thinks I'm nuts. What am I doing? And I'm dancing in a circle and I am filled all of a sudden with so much expectation, so much joy. I'm just bursting at the seams and I'm thinking, God, what are you doing? And all of a sudden the word of God came to me where the Bible says that with faith all things are possible and nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. And I stopped dancing. And I looked at that doctor and his eyes were big as paper plates. And, and I'm telling you, I looked at my wife. I said, honey, get your purse. We're getting out of here. And let me tell you, nine months later, J.C. Hadassah Gibbs was born. I did not have faith that day to move a mountain. I did not think. But the reservoir of faith that God has placed inside of all of us, sometimes it can just sneak up inside of us and give us power and confidence to believe in things that seem impossible or are impossible. In this hour, God wants our faith to stir. God wants our faith to move into that arena. It will rise. Number five, the last point, three musicians want to make their way. Faith, simply put, is being faithful. How can we say we are people of faith if we're not faithful? 
We just have to be faithful. In 2017, we were blessed. AYC, Apostolic Youth Corps, sent 46 young people to Malawi. We had an incredible nine days. And let me put that plug in. If you ever have a chance to send your young people on an AYC trip, send them. Young people, if you get a chance to go, go. It will change your life. It will change the life of your nation. That day in our city of Lilongwe, our capital city, we were passing out over 25,000 tracts, just like this, half sheets of paper. They were on the campus crusade we were going to have the following day. And I was there that day, and it was me that put the paper in the hand of a young man by the name of Baraka. I'll never forget putting that in his hands and just something quickened in the Holy Ghost. We began to talk, and within five minutes, I knew something is going on. Something is special about this young man. And I invited him to the crusade the next day, and he said, I will come. And you know how it is when you invite somebody. Will they actually make it, or will they not make it? You know what? Sunday morning, I'm looking for Baraka, and all of a sudden, he makes it through the back door of that college campus. And we, I see him, and he comes in. He, I talk to him for a few minutes. He sits through the service, and when they call for people to come forward to receive the Holy Ghost. 21 people came forward. He was one of the 21 that received the Holy Ghost that morning in his life will forever be changed. That's not the end of the story. I just, I just knew there's more. So I, I'm knowing $600 a year where we are at back into the city is about $1.50 the bus ride. It's a day and a half wage. And I said, Baraka, can I give you a ride in the bus with me and my wife? All the Young people and chaperones and everybody was in the big bus. He said, sure, that would be a blessing. He gets in the car with us. We're only going down the road just a few minutes. And, and my wife actually sent me the picture. She had the picture on her phone that day from him sitting in the front seat of the van with me. And it brought back so many great memories. Baraka looks over at me and he says, missionary, I've got to ask you a question. He said, how do you baptize? And I thought, strange question for somebody that's just invited to the church yesterday, just got the Holy Ghost today. And I said, Baraka, we baptize in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I said that, all of a sudden he began to moan and cry out and he began to go, my God, my God, I found you. I found you people. I finally found you. I found you. And he starts weeping in the car and I start weeping. Spirit Lord's moving in that van. It's the van that had all the luggage and it smelled like a locker room. Holy Ghost didn't care. Baraka keeps on, I found you. I found you, I finally found you. And he's just worshiping God. And he stops and looks at me and he says, missionary, then you also believe Jesus is God, don't you? And I said, we do. And he goes, oh, I'm home, I'm home, I'm home, I'm finally home, I'm home, I'm home. I said, what's going on, Baraka? He said, missionary, I'm not a Malawian. I'm from the Congo. He said, I've been in the refugee camp in Malawi for nine years. He said, all I remember is shots from the rebels coming at our home. My father and mother running one way, my siblings another. He said, I don't know if they are alive or dead to this day. He said, but I made it to Malawi. I've been here for nine years living in the refugee camp. And he said, every single Sunday, they're not allowed to work outside of the camp for income. So they've got to do the most incredibly menial jobs in the camp. Stuff you don't even want to imagine. Jobs he was doing to get enough money to pay for the bus ride back into the city. Every 
single Sunday, he would go to a different church, sit through the sermon, go up to the end, shake hands with the pastor and say, Pastor, nice to meet you. Enjoyed the sermon, but how do you baptize? And he kept hearing the titles over and over again and he walked away broken. And guess what? He would go do those same jobs again. He did not do this for weeks. He did this every week for nine years. I don't know how he missed one of our churches. We have 32 in the city of Alongway, but in God's perfect plan, he does all things well. Baraka just kept pressing and kept moving forward. In our modern culture, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting a different result. Do not tell that to Baraka that he was a man of insanity. He will tell you, no, I am a man of faith. I just kept doing it over. I am preaching to somebody tonight. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. God has seen what you have done in secret and in private and it's not been given a platform yet but trust God and keep just putting one foot in front of the other being a man or woman of faith. We found Baraka's childhood sweetheart in another refugee camp in Tanzania. Diana was brought over. They now have two beautiful children. Diana has come through the Bible school. You can stand with me tonight. Three other people have come through the Bible school from the refugee camp. Baraka is now pastoring a church of over 250 people just outside the walls of the refugee camp. All because of his faithfulness to God. We heard it today, the walls of Jericho. It's the same march around the same walls. One lap, seven days, six days, a seven day, seven laps. The same ridicule, the same walls, the same statements coming off the top. It's the same view, it's the same everything. Don't tell them it was insanity. They'll tell you, no, it was faith. And all of a sudden the walls came down and God gave them the victory. Don't tell Naaman it's insanity to get in the same nasty old river and begin to dip and do the exact same thing repetitiously over and over again. Someone hear me tonight. The things that we are doing that seem so mundane and it doesn't seem like God is opening a door. He is watching to see how we are responding. And if we're going to remain faithful in the little things, if we can remain faithful in the little, he will give us much. He's watching how we're going to carry ourselves, our attitudes, our mindset, the way we treat others, the things we're doing in the midst of our delay. What are we going to do? Will we remain faithful or are we going to go out and do a sabbatical somewhere else? No, God, I am going to stay faithful. I am going to remain in the kingdom of God doing everything you want me to do, God. I will just keep putting one foot in front of the other and I will fulfill the scripture. It's from faith to faith. That's how we're going to make it. The just shall live by faith. When the Lord comes back, will he see a missionary? No. Shall I find faith in the earth? He's looking for that endowment that all of us have been given. And there's just something happens when we just keep speaking faith. When we just keep living faith. I believe tonight there are miracles in this building. I believe tonight there are there's salvation for people to receive. There is things that God can do in you emotionally, mentally, physically. Our God loves to do the work inside out. He loves to get in there and to heal and to mend and to repair the scars, the wounds, the things that are there. He loves to build us and prepare us so our faith can rise and be strong. If you are here tonight 
and you've got a need, I want you to begin to make your way to the altar. The ministers are also going to meet us there. And God is going to meet you. If there's something maybe emotional that is there, maybe there is a, a hurt or a wound, God can heal that tonight. Because God is wanting to let our faith reach that place where we can believe for the impossible and we will see the impossible. God wants that faith to arise within us to see the impossible in this hour, not just for ourselves, but everybody around us. If you believe God, if you want God to strengthen your faith tonight to where you would be said, I am not a man or woman of little faith, but I am a man or woman of great faith. I want you to come to this altar tonight and to close your eyes and lift your hands and say, God, mold and shape and grow my faith. God, give me the faith to speak to my mountain. Too many of us only hope the mountain will move. It will not move. We have not because we ask not. We've got to speak to the sickness. Speak to the infirmity. Speak to the situation at home. We've got to lift up our voice and begin to cry out by faith and let God do the sovereign work in our lives. In the name of Jesus, let faith arise in our lives right now, God, to speak to that thing. To speak, Lord, surrender. To speak, Lord, salvation. To speak healing. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, let our faith arise.